I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health and fitness industry to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. Hello, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer, and my guest this week is someone I haven't seen for about six years. I met him at Premier Training International, which is where I trained way back as a personal trainer, and Rich was one of the coaches who trained me, and he really stood out for me, actually, with his professionalism, his athleticism himself, his breadth of knowledge, and the slightly different angle that he took on things. So I really wanted to get him on the show, uh, talk a bit about fitness, and also specifically about something called animal flow. Animal flow is a certain type of exercise and movement pattern. And I'm actually going on the course in December. So I reconnected with Rich, got him on the show, and hopefully we produced a really great episode for you. So a little bit more about Rich. He's a personal training coach and educator. He has about 15 years of experience within the industry. So he's seen and done a lot. His coaching philosophy is one of building health from the ground up. And he's a stalwart believer in practicing what he preaches. And if you saw him, he's incredible. His physique, you definitely buy into that. He's worked as a health, fitness and nutrition lecturer, a health and fitness course developer, strength and conditioning coach and a nutritional therapist. He also works widely with lots of top fitness publications as an author, fitness model and a contributing expert. And he's also an animal flow master instructor for the UK and teaches extensively around the globe. So he really does provide a personalised training approach, which obviously chimes very well with Body Shot, which incorporates the most effective evidence-based training, which is interactive, progressive, and we encourage each and every client to explore the boundaries of their physicality. And he's also the founder of Health Vitality Perform. We will link to everything we talk about in the show notes. You can join Rich on an Animal Flow course or workshop rather in early December. We'll put links to all of that as well. And enjoy the show. Uh, if you've got any questions for Rich or I, you can fire him off to info at bodyshopperformance.com. Enjoy, Rich. Rich, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Leanne. I really appreciate you yeah. inviting me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, likewise. So we were just saying before we went live that we haven't actually seen each other for six or eight years. So you trained me as a personal trainer. You were the team at what was Premier. So you must have done a pretty good job because here I am six and a bit years later in an industry that's quite, well, not volatile, but people come and go, don't they? And it's a tough business, personal training. I mean, it's not what yeah. we do now, but it's how we built the business. Yeah, it really is. And it's a shame because there's so many people with wonderful personalities, lots of energy and, and a real desire to go out there and, and help others and make a career of it, but it just doesn't always work out. Mm. And it's pretty ruthless. It's pretty tough. It's testimony to the success you've had of probably how hard you've worked. You're looking great, by the way. And Thank you. Like, as we said, just uh, prior to this, it looks like you guys have made some fantastic progress. So I wanted to spend some time with you. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, obviously, we're seeing each other in person in December to do something called Animal Flow, but I'm just going to leave that floating around for people listening. Is that what's that? <laughs> Let's start with your origin story. Now, when did you first connect with the feeling of fitness? I think I probably, if I go back to when I was 15, 16, back in high school, there was a bunch of us that were, we were all buddies, and, and my nickname in the group was Skeletor. And the, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason, quite self-explanatory, is I was a bit of a skinny old thing back in the day, you know, long gangly legs, and uh, I didn't really have much <laughs> on me. And, and, you know, I guess when you're that age, you are, as much as you don't want to admit it, you do let things like that, you know, get to you. And so I went down to Argos. I got myself some of those sand-filled dumbbells, put the little poster of the routine up in my bedroom, 
And you know what? Every single night for the first year, I did that routine without missing it. No matter if I'd been out playing with friends and we'd been playing football and climbing trees or whatever, I still went home and I did that little routine. And I think I've still got it somewhere. But it changed my, my body a little bit. I mean, I wasn't lifting particularly heavy weights, but it gave me a little bit of shape and definition. And the moment a few people started saying, oh, you know, you're looking good and your arms are looking good and this and that and your abs and blah, blah, blah. It really does work as a motivating fact to drive you on. And you think, well, great, you know, this is working. What's next? Should I keep pushing on? And you sort of feed off that motivation. I guess that's no different to how our clients would probably respond now if they saw results and, and we were to give them that feedback. But um, that's really the sort of first step that I had. And then I joined a gym and I was lucky because the guy who ran the gym I first went to when I was 17, 18, was a really cool mentor. He spent a lot of time helping me out, designing some basic programs for me to follow. And then off the back of that, I, I got the opportunity to take my gym instructor qualification with those guys and they paid for me and I did some voluntary work with them. And that was it. I was in. I was a fully fledged qualified gym instructor. The guy that trained me back in the day, a guy called Chris Roberts, I still remember him really well, was you know, an inspiration, a guy I looked up to. I loved the way he taught. I loved the way that he spoke about fitness. And that inspired me further. And I guess, you know, that, that's the initial start of the story, although there are many sort of twists and turns from that point mm. to now. But that was it. Yeah. So obviously, people listening can't see you, but you're extremely athletic in build. Very fit, incredibly strong. Were in you know your Facebook page, which we'll share with people. We'll link to that. Is full of you doing these incredible movements. So great flexibility, great muscularity, the whole the whole thing. Has it always been that way? So from fifteen, sixteen onwards, have you always built on your fitness, learning, layering, tweaking, adjusting? Have you had any real dips where you just thought, you know what, I'm not doing anything? Yeah. Well, thank you for the compliment, by the way. I think that's probably only really come about in the last maybe five to 10 years where I felt relatively well balanced with all of the different types of fitness that, that I've been able to work on. Still, still lots of deficits and gaps to fill in there, by the way. There's definitely lots of things I, I still need to work on. But I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, I continued on from being 16, 17 and just hit the weights, really. I mean, that was the, the big thing I started doing. And I had a couple of pals and, you know, when you've got a few lads together, it gets a bit, a bit competitive and you compare size of biceps and chest and who can lift what and who can do the, you know, the most amount of pull-ups. Not too much leg training back in the day, mostly chest and, and biceps. <laughs> but yeah, and I think the main kicker for me that changed my outset on things was... I was teaching actually at Premier, which is where you studied, and that's where we met. And mm -hmm. Premier Training is you know, an education company, and, and that was back in the day. And, and there was lots of students, lots of young lads and girls coming through that were pretty athletic, that were, I guess I would call were part of the movement renaissance, where the style of training and the popularity of different training styles began to change a little bit. Some of these guys were doing muscle-ups and handstands and really cool, funky stuff. And I, you know, in my attempts to provide some demonstrations and exercise technique pointers, I found myself struggling and wanting a little bit compared to these youngsters. And, you know, and in my head, I'm having a word of myself thinking, you know, come on, Rich, you're the teacher here. You need to be the one that's demonstrating with good form and, and nailing these movements. And I, I just didn't feel great inside my body having spent the best part of 10, 15 years or whatever it is, just hammering the weights and trying to build muscle. My posture had suffered a little bit, range of movement wasn't so good. And my technique was quite limited to what I'd trained to do, which is, of course, is the, you know, the law of specificity. So why else? You know, why wouldn't I be you know, good at these things? Well, 
So it kind of, a little bit of a light bulb went off and I'm like, okay, my flexibility is not where it needs to be. My mobility needs work. My technique is limited to the things I've been training in. I need to just start looking at bringing some other formats into what I do, some other training formats. So I actually took up capoeira. I'm not sure if you know what that is or if your listeners know. But, um, yeah. yeah, capoeira is a blend of martial arts, dance and gymnastics. It's got a, a deep-seated history. I won't sort of go into details. There are better people who can explain that much better than I can. But it is a fantastic, fantastic discipline. And you know, it's, it's bodyweight training. And there is not one position or one movement that your body will not be asked to go into when you play capoeira. So you learn all the base movements and then you play with an opponent. And the best description I've ever heard from one of the senior students in our capoeira school is that capoeira is like a conversation with movement, meaning that somebody asks you a question with a movement and then you respond with your movement and it goes back and forth. It can be a little bit physical at times, but for the most part, it's non-contact. Anyway, you learn the movements, but then when you play with someone, those movements are never quite executed in exactly the same way. You're going down to the ground, you're standing, you're moving laterally, you're moving with rotation, you're performing kicks, you're getting into every single position you could possibly imagine. And there is no training format, to my knowledge, that really tests your body in that way. And I opened it to me because at the start, I was crap. I was really, really bad at it. And I found where all my deficits were, you know, straight away, it flagged up to me. I had some challenges with my flexibility, mobility, body control, away from the things that I were familiar with was not great. So I spent, you know, two and a half years training a couple of times a week. And, and then that really... Sorry to interrupt you. Did you find that your ego was an issue? You know, I should be good at this. I should, you know, I ought to be, I used to be. Do you find that's an issue? I didn't because I knew it would be hard and I knew I would be humbled by it. And I knew that I would go into it being the beginner. And I wanted to experience that because when you are a teacher you often find yourself in a position where, of course, you're doing the teaching and giving the, the knowledge and the information. And it's hard to sometimes find time for yourself to go away and study and to be humbled again, to be back as the student. And I really craved that and I wanted that. And I got that when I joined the London School of Capoeira, which is based in Finsbury Park. Great, great school, great teachers there. And I stood there on day one, you know, and I liked being at the back and just sort of having people around me that were much better than me and just going through the whole learning experience again. So I had already opened my, my mind up to that. And I, you know, I, I was able to leave the ego at the door mm-hmm. and, and know that I was learning things that I wasn't going to be good at, but would be good for me. Mm-hmm. So I interrupted you, what you were saying. No problem. No. What did I get to? I can't remember the. So we were talking about the different types of movements, the question, the answer. Where do we get up to? Tell you what, we'll come back to it. I just wanted to ask you that question about ego because we tend to work with and the people listening to this. Sometimes it's tricky to pick up a new skill. You know, you go in there and you think, well, I used to be able to do this. Particularly people coming back into or onto a health journey. Firstly, we become less teachable as we get older unless we continually take ourselves out of discomfort zone and try and learn new things. But also we tend to think, well, I used to be that fit. I used to be able to run that far. And now I'm starting again. And it's all, and sometimes the ego can get in the way. I mean, it's a great point that you make. And I think what we have to do when we're interested in health and fitness is you've got to get a coach. You've got to get somebody that can help you to navigate your way through the type of fitness that you now want to start doing. And it's commendable that people want to try new challenges or if they haven't been active for a while, get back into the gym. But if you push yourself too hard and you're not moving correctly, you're overstretching your body, you've got too much volume and intensity in what you're doing, 
too soon, too much too soon, for the most part, that can end up being a negative experience. And you might just sort of drop back out and, and not really pursue or move forward with what you're trying to achieve. So I really think it's great that people want to do that. But you know, you've got to sometimes back away from Instagram and YouTube and actually just seek out a good coach that can lead yeah. you down that path and help you out with those goals. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you touched on something a moment ago, you twice alluded actually to the different types of fitness. But what does fitness mean to you? Is it purely a physical thing? That's such a tough question, isn't it? I, I think yeah. for me, fitness is it's about having a toolbox and you know your ability to go into a situation where there's a physical challenge a physical demand open your toolbox and be able to access what you need well it needs to be initiated from the ability to move because how can you lift with a certain intensity or run with a certain speed or whatever it is that you're trying to do if you cannot get into those positions and into those shapes and i know we're going to talk about animal flow in just a, just a moment but when we teach animal flow we often talk to our students about that that what are the importance of mobility stability skill acquisition um, strength and the like and i always start that conversation off by saying well whatever it is you're trying to train to do if it's a movement or an exercise your body first has to be able to access that shape mm-hmm. because if you can't there's no way that you can actually be successful if you can't access the shape and align your joints and position your posture in the shape required for that exercise now once you can do that then you need to build stability and control in all of those degrees of joint movements or whatever it is that gets you into the position that you're trying to get into. And then once you do that, then it's about repetition, fine tuning, skill acquisition, building muscular strength and endurance to be able to do it at will and to do it much more easily than when you first started. So I really think whatever our fitness challenges are, it starts with the need and the ability to be able to control our our body and have ownership over our vessel so that we can get it to move in the way we want to. And then from that base, we can build strength, we can build power, we can build muscle or whatever it is. But without that, you know, you need that blank canvas and you need those capabilities, I believe, to begin with. Yeah. And one of our philosophies at Body Shot is recovery is as important as training. Or put another way, recovery is as important as working or whatever it is that you're doing to further your goals or your health or whatever. How much is that important to you? And what does that mean to you personally? You know, what kind of things do you do to prioritize recovery? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that people have to stand back sometimes and look at the context of their own lives and understand that our bodies are under an overall stress load, right? So stress isn't just about you know the physical training that we do, but it can be things like how much sleep we're getting, what are in the environmental pollutants we're exposed to, what's our nutrition like, do we have problems with relationships and all those kind of things. So our overall stress load has an impact upon the body and it's managing all of those things. So if you've got a lot of stuff going on in your world, then blasting yourself in the gym, although that may be perceived by you as an outlet to try and get rid of frustration and and burn out some energy, actually that's just contributing to increased stress upon the body. So I think whoever we are, you know, and again, this is the value of having a coach, we need to sort of appraise that stress load and then make sure that we've got the right amount of stimulus and volume load through you know the intensity and the amount of work that we're doing and then the ability to back off now for me i'm quite a twitchy kind of person in as far as if i come home and i'm and i'm sort of stomping around the house and i'm a bit agitated and my girlfriend says you haven't trained today have you <laughs> actually she knows straight away and i'm like okay yeah no i missed the workout today But if I've already been training hard that week, 
for me, a recovery day doesn't necessarily mean not doing anything. Mm. It just means making sure that I'm cycling through the different types of training with the different priorities that I know my body needs. So for example, if I'm doing a heavy strength type of session on one day, then the next day might be much more of a movement-based session that's got a lot more mobility and a lot more focus on trying to improve positions and skills that I might be wanting to work on. Then perhaps I go back to more of a high intensity strength focused or maybe even a sort of a a high intensity cardiovascular type session and then perhaps back into another skill type session. So for me personally, the way I cycle my training and the way I try to build in recovery is to make sure that the amount of intensity and volume is being manipulated from perhaps high, medium, low, high, medium, low, cycling that across the week so that I can be active almost every day. I don't have to take a day off if I don't want to, although I try and have you know one, perhaps two days off a week, often at the weekend, and I just walk and take a stroll in the park and go for lunch, these sorts of things. But I think people just need to be conscious that they shouldn't try and thrash themselves all of the time. And there's lots of good research now that shows if you push your body to fatigue and failure on every single session, the next session is negatively affected such that you're not going to get the results that you would as if you just backed off a little bit in the previous workout, saved a bit in the tank. You haven't got to push to fatigue and to failure on every single rep set and exercise that you do. So for me, quality over quantity for the most part, is always the way forward. Although, of course, there are some instances where you want to you know, whack up the volume and push on a little bit, but then have enough planning to back off and let that yeah. recovery come through. Yeah, yeah. And do you use technology to sort of flag or surface some of the signals the body sends to say, actually, I'm starting to feel the, the load here? So I wear a device called the Ura Ring, and amongst other things, it flags my body temperature, resting heart rate, and heart rate variability. Three really good markers of stress, stroke, recovery. Do you wear any sort of technology or do you just, what what methods do you have for tuning into your body if you don't? Yeah, and that's really cool that you tune into those things. I think they're they're valuable markers. And I I think data is data, right? You can't hide from it and it's completely objective. So it's going to give you the hard results and you can't hide from those. I've played around with heart rate variability. Um, I've used the Elite HRV app the heart rate monitor and I check in from time to time. I'll do sort of a a block of two or three weeks of that. I enjoy looking at heart rate variability and I think there's a lot in that and that's an emerging area of research where there's been a lot of progress in the last few years. But I, I still believe actually that the best way to monitor where your body is at is how you feel in terms of your energy and motivation to want to go in the gym. And when you start to move, when you first put your hands on the floor, when you first pick a weight up or whatever it is, how does it feel at that moment? So if a weight feels heavier than it normally would, or you put your hands on the ground and you don't feel as connected as you normally do, or there's a little bit of a niggle in the shoulder or just something in your knee, or you just feel a little bit more sore than you otherwise would, or just things are a bit more sticky in the way that you move at the start of the workout, pay attention to that. And I think you can try and work through it in the warm-up and see how you feel when you come out the other end. And if it still feels a bit gnarly and things are just not quite right, I think you have to tune in and back off a little bit within your workout compared to what you would have normally liked to have done. Or you know, even in that warm-up phase, change the workout. And I think listen to what your body's telling you. Don't push through injuries don't push through sore joints and you know if you're not using some of the data and the information that you've just mentioned there then i think you can learn a lot from how your body first responds when you walk into the gym and how energized and ready to go you feel 
Hmm. I think data that you get from a ring or whatever wearable tech device should supplement tuning into your body and figuring out how you feel and learning to connect with your body and your breath and whatever else it might be and supplement with the data. Because the data is not always right and we're pretty good at ignoring numbers that don't suit us in the main. It's also getting, getting rid of that ego and, and training intelligently, isn't it? Getting the right thing for your long-term goals. You're thinking about your health span rather than your lifespan, rather than the immediate, I need to run this far, this fast, or lift this weight, or I lifted it last week, why can't I lift it this week? You know, that kind of mentality. Yeah, I really agree with that. And that's a great term, intelligent training, because I think that's where longevity is at. And mm. I think back to in my 20s, and, and a lot of the, the young lads are around now in the gym where, where I work and where we teach, you know, they have that energy in their body, they want to thrash themselves, they want to build muscle, and you can get away with it to some extent. But I still think even in your 20s and 30s, when you're doing that, you're paying and you need to pay forward in a positive way in as far as you want your body to last well into its, you know, ideally 80s, 90s, or perhaps even beyond. And if you get a lot of wear and tear early on because you're thrashing your body, then, you know, that may cause you some problems later down the line. Now, I'm a big believer in building muscle, don't get me wrong, because I think it's one of the most important things we can do for our health. It's very cardio metabolic protective. It's the biggest site of glucose and sugar storage in the body. So it can help prevent some of those metabolic diseases like insulin resistance and, and type 2 diabetes. And of course, as you get older, muscle is a very functional tissue that helps with metabolism and getting around and actually having better quality of life. So I believe it's important for us to continuously train with resistance, but also with mobility, but to make sure that we're not thrashing our body day in, day out. And as you've already said there, Leanne, building in that recovery and <laughs> cycling between the hard workouts and the more easy workouts where we might try and pick a focus where we work on something that we're weak at and not so good at, for example, flexibility or mobility. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. A lot of people listening will be busy professionals, men and women, who are trying to maintain health and fitness, but the convergent pressures of work and home are squeezing out the bandwidth they've got to focus on that mentally and physically and just in terms of time. What are some of the common mistakes you see people making? You've alluded to one, which is going down and doing a hard, fast workout when actually they're already under a lot of stress and a physical load. And then how do you kind of counter some of those mistakes? What advice would you give people? Yeah, sure. So I also think an, another mistake is just walking straight into the gym, hopping on the treadmill or getting straight into your workout and not preparing the body and not spending some time reconnecting with your own body. And you know, I think, as you said, if you've been busy, you've been sitting at the desk and you're in the office all day long, you know, gravity has sort of compressed you down, your joints are compressed, your tissues are not sliding and gliding, they're not as fluid as they should be. Maybe you haven't had time to remain as hydrated as you want to, that will definitely affect movement quality and tissue <clears throat> and fluidity. So going into the gym and just spending a bit of time, spend more time in your warm-up rather than a quick two minutes and then three, two, one, go. And we see that with so many workouts and classes these days and concept studios and, and workouts where the warm-up is just, you know, it's just given lip service and we don't really do anything effective or properly within the warm-up. And I'm a big, big fan of warming up properly. And there's no reason why a warm-up can't progressively get more challenging, whereby by the end of the, the warm-up, you know, you're huffing and puffing, you've worked for a lot of dynamic movements, you've improved mobility, and it almost then begins to merge into perhaps some of your strength work. <laughs> I just think people need to give, you know, a good solid for me personally, my warmups now are, are, are about 15 minutes mm -hmm. um, and a lot of time on the ground 
working through a lot of decompression movements, a lot of dynamic stretching movements. I try and use some eccentric lengthening work to try and get better tissue extensibility, a little bit of reciprocal inhibition stuff, end range movements, these kind of things. The more I do them, the more value I see in preparing the body well for the workout and making that workout focused, get the most out of it, but know that you prepared well. And then I think the recovery after that workout is all the more better. So I would certainly say spend more time preparing. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, actually. I mean, my warm-ups aren't always as good as they could be. I see your stuff on Facebook where you are mobilizing a joint and warming it up progressively. And I could definitely probably incorporate a bit of that. And I'm pretty sure most people listening could focus more on warm-up. Let's move into animal flow because I don't want to cut that piece short. It strikes me, and I'll find out in December when I come on the course in London, we'll link to those dates and the Animal Flow website as well. But that is a perfect combination of warming up, mobilizing joints, moving, stretching, becoming more supple, but losing a lot of body weight as well. But what is animal flow and what got you into it? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. For me, Animal Flow is a special program because it's so all-encompassing. It can give your body so much of, of what it needs. And we've already mentioned this principle of reconnecting with your body. And that's really one of our ways of explaining what Animal Flow is. It's about reconnecting to your body, but through the ground. So as the name suggests, Animal Flow is about using animal-based movements or primal movements. We're on the ground. And for the most part, we are in what we call a, a quadruple head position. So hands and feet are both on the ground. Now, when you put your hands and feet on the ground together, especially if you take your shoes and socks off, you get a lot of rich proprioceptive information that comes into the body that helps your brain to figure out exactly where it is in in time and space. But it's also fantastic, as you just said, for developing mobility. It's very different to yoga and Pilates. If you like yoga and Pilates, you probably would really like animal flow, but it's certainly very different from yoga and Pilates. And that's one of the things that drew me to animal flow because as a guy you know what i like is the strength component to a workout and having learned capoeira for a couple of years i saw a lot of parallels with animal flow and capoeira now animal flow is derived from mike fitchers who is the creator but from mike fitchers study of gymnastics and hand balancing and circus arts and parkour free running and break dancing so he spent a lot of time studying these, pulled together some of the best components from each of those and said to himself, if I'm just a regular person that wants to engage with the ground, it's going to take me years and years to learn gymnastics or years and years to learn break dancing or free running parkour, whatever it is. And perhaps they just don't want to invest that sort of time. But what can I take from each of these disciplines that can really be used to enhance the function of the human animal, the human body. And Mike did a great job at piecing those things together. And that's the origins of, of animal flow. So we're able to develop mobility. We're able to develop body control. We're able to develop strength. And then the, the key piece, the flow piece to animal flow is this idea of energy transfer. So once you've learned all of the individual movements in the animal flow program, there are endless ways to link those movements together as fluidly with as much control expression personality as you want to and it looks like a little bit of a dance but with a lot more strength integrated into it and it's a fantastic program to aid to practice for me it's built a lot of those qualities that we mentioned right at the start that i needed more flexibility more mobility 
but at the same time allowed me to continue to develop my strength and improve my body control. And I really like the hand balancing component of animal flow where we teach a little bit of balancing. And that's a really nice challenge for a lot of people. So the best way to understand what animal flow is, is to give it a go. But I hope at least gives you a little bit of a snapshot into what it is. Yeah. So how can people give it a go? You've got courses coming up in London in December. Absolutely. Yeah. So check out the Animal Flow website. And if you're interested in taking a workshop, you can. We also allow people that aren't fitness professionals to take our workshops. And that's because so many people these days want to learn new skills and want to learn how to be empowered to train themselves if they don't have a trainer nearby. So we allow non-qualified fitness professionals to come on and take our certification. But we also have a lot of instructors, qualified Animal Flow instructors around the globe, not just in the UK that are running regular classes. We're just, so I'm told, finalizing our new website where you would be able to go onto that and find out where an instructor is near you and where they would be running a class and how to contact them. So I think you know if you can give Animal Flow a go because it's much harder and much more humbling than you think. And some yeah. of the base introductory moves that we teach will have you, you know, feeling it straight away. And you're going to be like, man, you know, there's a lot of muscular activity going on here that you wouldn't otherwise expect. There's lots of core training, a lot of work into the arms and into the shoulders. And we're trying to build strength through a whole range of movements and all the angles in between. Mm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So there were classes, which is different from the workshop, which I'm coming on. Is that correct? Or is it the same thing? Yeah, if you took a class or a masterclass that someone was delivering, you would probably get a little bit of a taste of all the different components of animal flow wrapped up into sort of one or two hours, depending on how long that class was. When we take our workshop, we are going to be there for two days. We've got six hours on each day with, and it's all taught through learn and through the practical application of the learning. So we just have you know some introductory talks and lectures and we make some notes and discuss the movements. But for the most part, we are spent learning the movements through practice of those movements. So physically very challenging. If you like a course, that has got a lot of physicality to it. Then animal flow could be an option for you, but it's amazing. Always amazing for me how people come into this workshop and they, they go from having obviously zero skills and movements with animal flow. And at the end of the weekend, the two day workshop, all of the level one movements are locked in, learned, and we're able to create some really nice flows in just those 12 hours. So it's very quick to learn and it's very accessible. That's what I like about it. Brilliant. Well, maybe we can do a Facebook Live. I'm mean, not during the workshop itself, but before or after, maybe after day one or day two, and then we share that with the audience as well. But to finish off then, what are some things that you're working on now as a kind of accomplished, both from an academic and a physical perspective? You alluded earlier to the gaps that you were working on. Do you mind sharing them? Sure, yeah. So the way I split my week up at the moment is I will typically have two whole body strength workouts. And I really enjoy working on some of the Olympic lifts and the variations of those. So just today, actually, I had a session working on my front squats and my clean and jerk. So that was the strength session for this week. But the day before I was working on my back lever practice. So I had the gymnastics rings out. I was just doing a series of warm-up drills and pulling drills. And then that culminated in working through some progressions of the back lever, which is just something that I really wanted to learn how to do. It's a tough gymnastic challenge. Great for balancing out all of the pushing work that you might do in the week with the other types of training, especially with animal flow, because we're pushing into the ground a lot with our hands. So I always make sure that I integrate some pulling pattern work. And the back lever is, is a fun way for me to do that rather than just pull-ups or dumbbell rows. 
Then this week, I will also have a dedicated animal flow session where I'll work on my tuck balance, so my handstands and my tuck balance as part of my hand balancing skill work. And then I might even just play around with a few flows and get ready for this weekend where I'm teaching a workshop in Poland. And then I will also probably have one other strength workout. I travel on Friday, so my week will be cut short a little bit. And I'll probably be working on my deadlifts and some single leg work so perhaps some heavy lunges with dumbbells and perhaps some pistol squats and i haven't planned that session yet but just off the top of my head that's what it will look like and at the end of each session i like to put in a bit of cardio because i really buy into the importance of cardio in a big way especially in the last five or ten years for health it's just ridiculously important and i think people need to do a little bit more of that stuff but I, i don't like doing long cardio sessions i like to keep to 10 minutes so I will either do something like a 2K row challenge. That's what I'm working on at the moment, trying to chip away and improve my time. Or maybe something like a Tabata um, cycle or row or run done in four minutes and, yeah, and get big fan of that. To those intensities that get your VO2 max uh, or get your intensities up to VO2 max. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a great protocol. Yeah. Just out of interest, do you always do strength before cardio? Yes, I do for me. And the reason for that is that for the most part, my strength work, whether it's skill acquisition or building strength, is the priority for me. That's the most important component. And I think that strength would be more affected by cardio than cardio is by strength. And that's called the interference effect. And there's relatively good research on that that shows that you know doing significant amounts of cardiovascular work will negatively affect your strength work. But if it's only one or two sessions a week and they're relatively short and sweet, then there's no effect at all. And that's a great way to be able to combine both strength and cardiovascular work together. Interesting. So I wondered about that, but I guess the answer that Antonia gave when I asked her is based on the research and reading she'd done, the stuff that you really want to work on and progress do first, which is what you've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, we're out of time, unfortunately, but I just want to say thanks, Rich. You know, you've been a a rich source of knowledge and it's been fun talking to you and I look forward to cracking on with Animal Flow in December. Uh, your Instagram is at rich underscore scrivener. You're on Facebook as well as Richard Scrivener, I believe. That's correct, yes. Yeah, okay. Is the, do you want to share the Animal Flow website with us as well? It's just animalflow.com and if you can't find it, just do a quick Google search. It comes up pretty much straight yeah. away. Yeah, and what's, what are the dates for the weekend workshop in December? Blimey, I should have checked that out, shouldn't I, before this conversation? <laughs> 5th or 6th, I think. That's it, I think. I it's think early it is, but, uh... December, yeah, it's early December. I know it's possibly not, I think it's around the 8th and 9th, actually, I think is when it is. But anyway, no matter, we'll link to everything in the show notes. And yeah, thank you very much for your time, really appreciate it. Thanks, Leanne, that flew by, and well done for all the good work that you're doing. And then if your audience wants to engage on social media, I'm happy to have a chat and follow up. But, um, thanks for the time. Brilliant. Yeah, pleasure. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com, and click on Take the Test. And it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39-page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com, and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.